Welcome back to a new season of the Boise Dev Podcast. I'm Don Day. Our first guest this season is Boise State University President Dr. Marlene Tromp, and it's our first episode hosted by Boise Dev's Gretchen Parsons. They had a wide-ranging conversation. They talked about the future of the physical campus, the stadium, where the school goes in the post-COVID era, how the housing crisis impacts students, and a lot more. The conversation with Dr. Marlene Tromp and Gretchen Parsons is next. This is the Boise Dev Podcast. Here's your host, Gretchen Parsons. Dr. Trump, thank you so much for joining us for the Boise Dev Podcast. How are you today? I'm wonderful. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Great. Well, first, I wanted to talk to you about the future of the BSU campus. Um, I guess what first comes to mind, what about plans for maybe um, stadium expansion in the future? That's a great question. You know, in the past, we've discussed renovating that east side of Albertson Stadium. And we're very, very fortunate to have this fantastic new leadership in athletics. So Jeremiah Dickey and his team will take a deep dive into all of our facilities and prioritize the needs. Our most important priority could still end up being Albertson Stadium, but they have to go through that process. Um, And so right now, um, they're still in the midst of that, and it makes it impossible to really say what is the next step for Albertson's um, stadium. Right now we have a 36,387 seat stadium and we need to make sure that those seats are filled with Bronco fans when we open our home schedule against UTEP on September 11th this coming fall. Definitely. And I know you said that, you know, you're still in the uh, process of kind of assessing that, but do you Mm -hmm. feel there will be a need in the future? Do you, I mean, uh, certainly, you know, enrollment is growing um, to expand. Do you know, as I, as I look at the university and I look at the city and the state, so we're in one of the fastest growing cities and the fastest growing state in the country. And um, what that means is that the entire university is going to need to grow. But what that growth looks like, I think, is a really interesting question right now. In fact, the meeting I had right before this one was with a group that we've hired to come in and do um, a space analysis on our campus. But what happened during the pandemic is everybody changed the way they thought about space. And so we're asking a lot of questions that are shaped and framed differently than they would have been if we hadn't had the pandemic under our belt, because what we found is that there are some people who had to work remotely and found they couldn't do their job as well and didn't like it. And some people who found that they were actually more productive when they worked remotely. And so we're going to be doing a lot of assessment across the organization about how we grow across the entire campus. But I definitely think um, with the growth of Boise and the growth of Idaho, there's growth in store for Boise State. And so um, I think for us as an institution to be thinking about how we grow in all of our facilities, our classroom spaces, our research facilities, the faculty spaces, the staff spaces, and, and really critically, where our students are learning, where they're, where they're living, where they're interacting, all those pieces of the puzzle, including our stadium, need to be a part of that conversation. That was my next question about um, student housing growth with that. So that's something also that the university is taking a look at to maybe expand. Absolutely. And and one of the things that we know with keenness is that people are struggling who move to Boise right now to find um, adequate housing. 
and to find um, housing that they can afford. So we are currently engaged with a group called Brailsford and Dunlavy, and and they're conducting a student student housing master plan. And what that student housing master plan will do is allow us to really assess exactly what our needs are. Um, exactly how we need to meet those needs. And it will respond both to our current demand, which remains very strong. Um, We have students who uh, want to come to Boise State right now for their freshman year, but the lack of housing for first-year students is what makes them feel like they can't come because they don't know if they'll be able to find a place to live. So we know we're losing talented students because we don't have enough um, housing capacity for them. So we know that there's a current demand, but we also have goals, excuse me, for the future. And that's thinking about um, the growth of Boise, the potential growth of Boise State. And we're we're very fortunate that we have um, been able to build P3 partnerships to create student-focused um, housing on campus, but also that the private sector has built off campus. Uh, there's a deep demand for first year traditional style housing, and that's not necessarily what the private sector is providing right now. So with um, the master plan's findings, uh, what we suspect is that's likely the next type of project that we'll build, a facility geared to, towards first year students that's near classrooms and campus amenities, Um, And with a community-oriented design, because we know that actually helps students be more successful. So when students have access to their research assistants, when when you don't have to get in your car and drive back to campus, you know, 25 minutes for an evening lecture that's not required, you're not going to do it or you're less likely to do it than if you have to walk you know, 20 steps from your dorm room. So we want to give, we know students are more engaged. They take advantage of more of the opportunities and they learn more when they're right there on campus, especially their first year. So um, that's likely to be our next facility. You brought up an interesting point, something I hadn't thought about. I could totally see if you were a freshman or an incoming freshman wanting to go to BSU and there wasn't enough on-campus housing, how that might deter you from coming to BSU just because in the area with the affordable housing, everyone's experiencing this crunch. So is it kind of twofold, like the students, one, they want to be, you know, kind of on campus where things are happening. And like you said, close to classes, but also can they maybe not afford to live off campus? And it's not just about affording to live. That's a lifestyle choice that most people want for their freshman year. So you might be able to find something, but it might mean a commute. It means that you're not going to have that same kind of experience where you and all your friends, you know, you and 18 folks from your floor get together to walk over to the football game. And so what we want to ensure is that they get that kind of college experience that they want, the thing that people really dream about when they come to college. Now, that doesn't mean that some students don't choose to live away from campus and to have um, that experience where they get to live more independently and get to live more privately. That's going to be some people's preference. But the vast majority of students we find really, really want that experience of living on campus and being sort of right there in the where the energy is, the excitement is. Definitely, definitely. Um, So also, uh, speaking of, you brought up the master plan. What about, um, 
university drive? I know there is talk about maybe closing it off, but is that off the table now? What's what's new with that? Um, do you know, I, I actually don't know the current status of those conversations. I just know that we're collaborating with the city. And so um, in the last conversation that I was in, um, we were we were talking about making sure that there's um, through ways for people who are pedestrians and cyclists. But we weren't at the point yet where. Um, we were having conversations about um, closing roads. Uh, that's a, that's something that really we need to have that conversation in collaboration with our community and with the city. So we're not there yet. Is there a lot of concern about um, University Drive, whether it's, it's a pedestrian issue or has that been like an issue before? No, I wouldn't say that it's been an issue. It's just that as we grow, we want to be really conscious that um, we're making sure the community, the campus community is both safe and accessible. And and that means we want to, so you've, you've probably driven down that street and seen how many crosswalks there are on that street because we want to make sure that our our faculty, staff, and students and visitors to the campus can safely navigate the campus. But that, of course, slows traffic down on that street tremendously because there's you know, there's a crosswalk every certain number of feet. And there are different ways that that campuses around the country respond to this. Sometimes they create overpasses so students can cross on an overpass or underpasses so that students don't um, aren't having to, to cross the street um, in order to get from, say, a parking facility to a classroom facility. But there are um, also other ways of doing that. You know, there are ways to route traffic differently. But those are those are. Um, large-scale, long-term conversations. Sure. Okay. Um, so switching topics a little bit, how do you see BSU's role in the, the business community here in Boise? Um, maybe talk about some of the employers, that the big employers here that BSU works with. Oh, that's such a great question. Thank you so much. Um, well, I can tell you who the top employers for Boise State grads are, but I think there's some really interesting other elements of this. Um, St. Luke's, the Boise School District, St. Al's, the West Ada School District, Micron, the state of Idaho, Nampa School District, Clearwater Analytics, Hewlett-Packard, Meridian School District, Simplot, Wells Fargo, Boise Cascade, Albertsons, Idaho Power. It's almost like a list of a who's who in the business community across the state of Idaho. And uh, we will... We expect to re to reach 100,000 living graduates in May. So we're an institution that is producing an enormous amount of talent that's feeding into these businesses all over the state. Um, and, and most of our alumni live and work right here in the Treasure Valley or surrounding communities, and many folks remain in Idaho, even if they come from outside of Idaho. But we, what we do is we help Idahoans stay in Idaho because they have the skills and talents to go to work for um, Micron or, or Simplot or Wells Fargo or Boise Cascade. And so we're, we're incredibly integral to the well-being and, and economic health of the state. And I think sometimes um, that's a piece people don't think about. They think about the individual, they don't think about the collective. So um, 
the impact, the economic impact that Boise State has made on the state has been absolutely tremendous. And the ways in which we see ourselves as partnering with those industries has been has been really um, significant. Um, I'll, I'll give you one of the initiatives that we have created this this in this last year that's been really important to me. When I came to Idaho, I saw a state that had this incredible asset of the Idaho National Lab um, that specializes in one of Zary's specialties, cybersecurity. And I saw a state that, like my home state of Wyoming, had a lot of dispersed rural communities. And and what I saw in my home state was communities that often um, shrunk or or lost access to resources as people moved away to the metro areas. And the question I asked myself was, how do we help those communities continue to thrive? And how do we help the state continue to thrive with the assets it has here already? And so in partnership with the INL and with the other universities, we've created a statewide cybersecurity initiative. And what my hope and belief is, is that we can train young people who want to stay in their hometown. If you want to live in Emmett, Idaho and be a cybersecurity professional, you can do that work and serve the, the farming and ranching communities around you and serve their cybersecurity needs and make a great living and stay in your hometown so that your parents and grandparents keep access to the good health care that's there and the, you know, the stores and businesses that are there, that those don't shrink as well. Because what we often see happening in rural America is as people move out, you shrink your resource base and you shrink all the facilities and the and the resources that are available to that community. So if we can help those those talented young people stay in and work in those communities and also provide their talent to those communities, what a what a gift to the state. So we're looking for ways to always weave together our partnerships with um, business and to really serve all of Idaho, not just the Boise metro area. Definitely. And you kind of answered this a little bit, like you said, being from Wyoming and you kind of you're familiar with how people can leave their rural communities, go to an opportunity in like a a bigger city or something like that. Yeah. So maybe kind of reiterate what what does that mean for, um, you know, a, a BSU student who is from a smaller town? What kind of impact does that have on their town going to be able to work there and serve their community? I'll tell you, when we started the community impact program, um, one of the things that that really drove me in that was the community impact program is is a program that we began um, last year that reaches out to um, rural communities and builds in collaboration with local leaders and and local thinkers. a a program that's tailor-made that's specifically designed for that community. And we, we built that program so that it would allow faculty to go into those communities face-to-face as well as retaining the flexibility of online. So it's a hybrid model where you get to know your faculty face-to-face, but you can also have the flexibility of online because many of those folks have um, jobs and families that they're caring for. So we built those programs in those Um, rural communities, in this case, it was Payette Mountain Home and McCall, to ensure that we're serving our state's needs where they are and that we aren't just expecting, you know, I had this 
um, growing up in Wyoming, the only university in the state is the University of Wyoming. And it's in Laramie. And I grew up in Green River, which they're polar opposite ends of the state. And it meant moving far from home. And for me, I couldn't imagine going that far and then being able to actually come back home to work. So I know so many people who left and never came back. So most of the people who went away and got college degrees never went back to Green River. So we built the program CIP to let people remain where they are and get that degree where they are. But we also created a program called the Hometown Challenge that invited people to go and do internships in their hometown so they could imagine and see the ways in which they could take the the learning, the training that they were getting at university and bring it home to benefit their home communities so they could imagine, for example, raising their children in a town where their children's grandparents would live. You know, it's a very different model than having to disperse yourself all across the state. And so what we're trying to do is really help retain the health of those communities, but also to really retain the sort of thriving connections that people have with their families and not have to break those apart, even though we're very fortunate to live in a world that's much more interconnected. You know, Um, when my son moved to Boise, um, he still talks to his friends from, say, Arizona or wherever, like on, on the phone and FaceTime all the time, you know. So he didn't lose those connections in the way that we used to. But still, it's different for a grandparent to be able to hold their new grandchild than it is to wave at them on a FaceTime screen. That's a great point. Definitely. Uh, since your time um, as president at BSU, what's been the biggest challenge you've faced? Um, well, Let's see. You might say that um, COVID would be the biggest challenge. Um, and I'm very, very proud of our COVID response. And, and we're a very large institution, tens of thousands of students, thousands of faculty and staff. And so we had to build a significant public health office to ensure that we could not just open our doors, because one of my primary commitments was to open the university. Um, I, I should say, that the rationale for that was um, the research was showing that college age people were experiencing higher rates of depression, anxiety, and even suicidality and psychosis than any other segment of the population. So that peaked need suggested to me that, that the university really needed to open its doors and make sure that students could not just have access to the labs and the studios. And if you're trained to be an engineer, you don't want to do that on a computer screen. You want to do that with the, the technology in your hands. If you're training to be a scientist, you can't pipette or, or distill something you know, over your computer screen, if you're training to be an artist, you know, how do you, where's your potter's wheel if you're sitting at home in your bedroom, right? It's not just that though. It was giving our students access to the advisors, the faculty, the staff. So we wanted to ensure that campus would open, but that meant we had to make sure it would be safe because we didn't want to just protect our community in many um, big cities with universities. The university was a hotspot that kept infection rates high in the community. We built a public health office of 65 people that ensured that our students could get, our students, faculty and staff could get tested, could get treated for illness. So we had special support staff who would stay with our students um, and help them out and care for them if they had to be isolated or quarantined. 
Um, and, and then to get the vaccine if they chose to do so. So we ran two vaccination clinics in um, Extra Mile Arena that vaccinated hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people all in one day. And, and so that you might think was the biggest challenge. But the biggest challenge has been that there's um, a lot of concerns about what higher education is, is doing, what our work is. And I want to make sure that what people in the state of Idaho know unequivocally and without question is that universities are places where conversations happen and where ideas are brought to be debated and engaged, not where anyone is being told what to think, but where people are being taught how to think. And it's been hard during the pandemic to get that message out to people. So I'm very committed to traveling the state this summer and this fall to make sure that folks all around the state know that Boise State is here to help students access this whole world of ideas, and to, but that they, they're welcome to retain and, and respect their own values. And that we're here to help students be able to give their talents to the world. We're not designed to do anything other than that. And, and I want to really carry that message around the state. So the biggest challenge has been our isolation from people and not being able to tell our story in the same way that we have in the past. So I'm really looking forward to that. Great. Um, and I guess just lastly, um, what do you what do you like most about I guess you personally living in Boise and also, um, you know, being uh, president at BSU in Boise, I guess, working and living in Boise. Oh, my goodness. You know, when I came to Idaho, one of the things people asked me was, what surprised you the most? And I expected Idaho to have folks who were a lot more like Wyomingites. You know, there's an incredible reserve in Wyoming. Um, uh, it doesn't mean that people aren't respectful, but there's um, a lot of reserve. You know, it's very old West in that way. Folks don't talk to outsiders. Um, the warmth with which I was embraced in this community was so incredible. And one of the hardest things about COVID, especially when there have been sometimes patently false narratives about the university flying around, one of the hardest things has been that I haven't been able to talk to people so they can get to hear firsthand our side of the story because there's such an incredible generosity of spirit amongst Idahoans that I believe when they know the whole story, they'll know the university in new ways. So I really love that about Idaho and I love the outdoor life that's available here. And I'm on Compass, which is the board that is a, a, a multi-county transportation board for um, the region. And, and they just did a survey and discovered that the outdoor life is one of the things people love the most here. You know, I grew up being outdoors every season. And so I, I love hiking um, in the summer and in the winter. I love being out on the river on a kayak in the, in the summer and camping. And, and so getting to have all this natural beauty, but also being in a place that is so vibrant. I was talking to these space planners, as I mentioned, just before I came to this meeting and I said, how many university campuses are right in the heart of the metro area 
with access to this extraordinary wilderness, but also have a river that runs right by campus and access to this incredible greenbelt. So you have the capital steps away, the greenbelt steps away, and this incredible wilderness that, that just blankets the entire state right at your fingertips. And so I think that the incredible set of resources and assets that we have here are unlike any place else in the country. And it makes me very honored to be a part of this booming, thriving, innovative university. In fact, I think that's Boise State's hallmark. It's, it's an institution that cares about figuring out how to do things better, not how to do things like they've always been done. And that to me is exciting, that blue turf thinking right here in this incredibly innovative trailblazing place. Blue turf thinking, I like it. Well, thank you so much uh, for your time. I really appreciate you joining us this afternoon. It's been a great pleasure. Wonderful to talk with you.